Well, good morning, New Life. I am Christopher. I'm the guy with long hair, as you may know me. I do promise I have other qualities as well, um, but I'm just thrilled to be here this morning and sharing a bit with you about knowing God's will. Uh, it's a new series that we're in, and I'm bringing you the second part here, so uh, thrilled to be with you. A few other things about myself for those of you who might not know me too well. I am originally from this area, so I, I kind of grew up here in Collingwood or was raised here. I've been in Toronto the past little while, uh, and well, Toronto area, I should say, but I'm just thrilled to be back. I'm the husband to Amy, father to Sybil, uh, servant of Jesus, and just so excited uh, to be with you this morning. I wonder if you would pray with me before we dive into our message time today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thanks for who you are and for everything that you do. We thank you for all that you've done for us and for who we are in you, uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, who is just the, the best and shows us the best way to live, and for the wisdom that you give to us when we ask. We pray, Lord, that you would meet us here wherever we happen to be uh, and that you would fill us with your spirit as we hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this past year has actually been a really challenging one for Amy and me. About Easter time of last year, because of a bunch of different reasons, God had been stirring up a lot of restlessness in my heart. Amy and I were wrestling with you know, where we were supposed to be and just what exactly God wanted us to be doing. In one very unusual moment, I was in Sunday service and God gave me a distinct word if you will. The way I describe it is it's like God reached into my memory and pulled something to the front. And the word was simply this, old wineskins. Confused? Well, actually, I, I know that was from God because it had absolutely nothing to do with what the preacher was talking about. So take that for what it is. But confused by why that would come up, I put that back in my memory for a few months as I tried to discern where God was taking my budding family. In the fall, I had been wrapping up at my previous placement and was now in conversation with a few different churches. As you can expect, one of them was with Paul here at New Life. And then that first conversation that we had, uh, after Paul got to tell me a little bit about the job, I had the chance to share with him some of my passion for youth ministry, uh, for the challenges that young people face, and for my desire to see students hear about the good news of Jesus. To which Paul replied, unprompted and without context, yes, new wineskins. And my jaw hit the floor. Now, call that convenience or coincidence, maybe even uncanny. But in that moment, God placed such a peace on my heart that this was the right direction. So you can imagine my enthusiasm when I was offered the job. Now, that story, and I, I could share more about it, but the gist is that it really is an amazing moment of God meeting me where I was and showing me the right direction. But it wasn't necessarily obvious, it certainly was not easy, and it took almost a full year to fully unfold. And I want to stress, that is by no means the normal way that God engages with me. Uh, most of the time, I find I have to rely on other means to figure out what God wants. 
And for me, most of the time, that means really thinking something through. So today, let's talk a little bit about how we can know God's voice even when it seems silent. How can we know God's will using our own common sense? Paul spoke last week about how the Bible is not a prescription book. And that is just such a helpful reminder. One of the ways that we humans tend to engage God, whether that's through prayer or reading scripture or one of the many other disciplines, is we tend to expect God to tell us precisely what we want to know. In other words, we're after information. Now, as a member of God's family, the Bible has a lot to tell us about who we are empowered to be as a community of faith. But as an individual trying to make life decisions in 2020, the scriptures actually have very little to say to you specifically. Now hear me out. What I mean is you can't open the Bible and find out what job you're supposed to have. If you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a tradesman, uh, or you can't find out who you're going to marry or how many kids you'll have and so on. Rather, the Bible almost always is addressing a community or a group that are, are gathered together in faith, not necessarily our individual concerns. And this sort of approach to God that we're talking about, this desire for information and, and especially about ourselves, it's actually the result of a poor pattern of thinking. We live in a culture where we don't have to wait for pretty much anything, right? especially knowledge, information. Like, if I want to know anything, I open an app, enter a search, and click on the first Wikipedia article, right? Unfortunately, that same kind of instant knowledge expectation tends to impact the way that we seek after God, too. We either find answers that aren't actually there, or we might get frustrated that the information we're after doesn't come. And here's some good news, though. Because of what God has done in Jesus, we can be free from that poor pattern of thinking. As we read last week in uh, the book of Romans, written by this Apostle Paul guy, uh, he says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If I had to summarize that, the way I'd say it is that knowing God's will is not about information, but transformation. God desires to transform you. And part of that transformation is to change the way that you think about things. It's about transformation, not information. God desires to help move us past those negative patterns of thinking so that we are able to better know his will. But, you might ask, how can we know which patterns help and which patterns hinder? This is where wisdom comes in. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, instruction, these are related things, but they're not entirely the same. The distinction I'd like to suggest is this. Knowledge is informative, but wisdom is directive. Knowledge is informative, but wisdom is directive. 
Here's what I mean. If you've ever driven on the interstate highway system, then you might be able to connect with this illustration. I was coming home from a wedding in North Carolina on a road trip with a bunch of friends. And uh, it was a real good time, but we'd never driven on the interstate system prior to this. And after a while, it would have been, I think, just north of Virginia, if I recall, uh, we were about to overtake another vehicle. Now, a very peculiar difference about the interstate system when compared to Ontario is that often they will have exits in the far left lane. So in the business of overtaking this vehicle, we got swept off into some other highway heading in the completely wrong direction. Now, we at this time were over the border and we had our cell phones typically is how we would navigate with data, right? But we couldn't use those because it would cost a fortune. So instead, we were relying on printed directions to keep us on track. Well, as you can imagine, those were no longer of value to us. So here we are, we're, we're driving, we're lost, and I, as the default navigator, uh, rely on my Ontario sensibilities. I say, well, all we have to do is just keep going forward and we will take the first exit and just turn around there, get back on track and we'll be fine. Except if you've driven on the interstate, you'd know that sometimes, especially in rural areas, the exits can be miles apart. And I do mean miles. So we ended up driving for over 45 minutes in the wrong direction before we found a suitable off-ramp. And then we had to drive even further still before we could find a map that actually had uh, directions all the way up to Ontario. So when we find this map, to our horror, we realize that we're many, many hours off course. And we are kind of without any options. We have to buy this map, and the only choice we had was to navigate the old-fashioned way all the way back home. Now, in this situation, technically speaking, we had all of the information we needed up front to keep us on track. Except, as soon as we went off track, that knowledge was no longer of use to us. And what we lacked was the wisdom to avoid that situation in the first place. You see, knowledge is kind of like that set of printed directions, whereas wisdom is more like a compass. It keeps you pointed in the right direction even when you veer off course. So wisdom is more about knowing how to live than it is about knowing things. Wisdom is about knowing which direction to take even if we don't know where that will end up. Okay, so we know that this is about transformation, not information, and that wisdom helps point us in the right direction. But aren't we left with a similar problem? Aren't we still relying on human thinking to figure out what's you know, wise or unwise? And if so, then aren't we really no better off? It's a fair point but not quite the case. You see, and praise God for this, we aren't left blind about how to live. We're not left to figure this thing out on our own. God has given us the perfect example of how to live. And he did this by revealing himself in Jesus. As the Apostle Paul writes in a letter to one early church, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. 
He made us pure and freed us from sin. So, as the scriptures say, if you want to brag, brag only about the Lord. Now, this comes after a long passage where Paul, the apostle, has just communicated how foolish the message of Christianity is. Straight up, you heard me right. If you've ever felt a little bit guilty because you're sitting there hearing about this whole faith thing and thought that it was total nonsense or rubbish, let me tell you, the Apostle Paul actually thought the same thing. The idea that our message, our entire faith, revolves around some guy who was also the God of the universe, who died like a servant, and in rising from the dead somehow makes it possible for us to have life forever, is, according to Paul, total foolishness by human standards. But God used foolish, weak, non-existent things to bring about the wisest, strongest, realest possible end. Thanks to what God himself has done through Jesus, we are not left blind about how to live. Jesus is himself the very embodiment of God's wisdom. In other words, the wisest way we can possibly live is to follow Jesus' example. If wisdom is a compass, then Jesus is the direction to which it always points. Okay, you might say that all sounds good, but Jesus didn't face the same kind of issues that I face, so how can I know how to face them when they come? How can I follow his example if he didn't go through what I've been through? Well, it's a fair point, but I want to conclude perhaps with just a few, I hope, really practical thoughts on wisdom and how we can move forward from here. First is this, be content with questions. Be content with questions. Some questions we have will get answered, but none of them or very few of them will be answered when and how we expect. Wisdom is really learning about how to wrestle with those questions, even if the answers don't come right away, sometimes for years. And I want to be clear that being content with questions doesn't mean ignoring questions or pretending like you don't have them. If you stop asking questions, you stop learning. And if you stop learning, you'll stop growing. And if you stop growing, how can you be transformed? So no, we, we need to be able to ask questions and engage them as much as we can. The point is that we ought to learn how to be content with those questions, even when the answers don't come right away or at all. And that's something that we can do thanks to what God has done in Jesus. The second point is to be humble. To be humble. Let's remember that none of us can brag about ourselves in our own right. right? It, this whole thing that we're doing, this whole faith business, entirely is thanks to God. So let's not get proud. The third point is to ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. Uh, James 1.5 is a passage that I really love, and there it, it says that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask, and God gives generously. So, ask. Think of it this way. Wisdom is kind of like mind muscles. I know, it's weird, but 
Some people are just born strong, but everyone can work at becoming stronger. In a similar way, some folks are gifted with wisdom. They just naturally are more wise. But all of us can grow in becoming wiser. And when we ask for wisdom, let's expect that it won't just happen all at once. Right? It's kind of like working a muscle. You're not just going to wake up stronger, right? I mean, you might, um, but probably what's going to happen is it'll happen over time. So when you ask for wisdom, don't expect that you just wake up wiser. Do expect to have opportunities to practice being wise. Fourth point is to trust your community. Trust your community. The Bible talks a lot about the value of community and trusted friends and the wisdom that comes from seeking them. So perhaps if you're trying to figure out God's will, listen to those around you and try to discern God's voice and the wisdom that they might be offering. And the fifth and final point is to trust yourself. Trust yourself. Now that might sound contradictory to what I said earlier, but hear me out on this. As we talked about before, common sense is a gift from God. So it's okay for us to trust if we're seeking his will that he's at work in our thought process. That's fine to do. And also, if you really, truly don't trust yourself, then trust who you are in Christ. Jesus' teaching, person, and mission is a part of who you are if you've been made alive in him. So you might doubt yourself, but as best as you can, try and trust who he is making you to be by the power of his spirit in you. So I hope that you've been blessed by that word about wisdom and following God's will using our own common sense. I'd like to finish off by offering a blessing for you, if you will. Uh, if you'd like, you can cup your hands, and if that's just really awkward and weird for you, then don't, uh, and just receive this blessing. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. And thanks for joining us.